0: This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home
1: for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey y'all, Bayou Bendis here. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action ranging from basketball to golf and, of course, hockey. And DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front row seat in all of the action. Making a line on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid over $7 billion to users across the sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using the code THPN. New users will get a free entry with the first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more.
2: it's gonna be really interesting like I like Pinto and I I remember everyone like and this is the thing that I think Sense fans need to start realizing we need to stop looking at the draft we really need to stop looking at a player being like he was drafted way too early you know who you can make an argument who was drafted way too late Mark Stone sixth round pick and now he's making nine and a half million dollars Pajot drafted I think in the fifth round and making five million Hoffman Welcome to the Sens Hour podcast, your number one source for Sens content, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, hosted by Shane from Ottawa and...
0: And Derek from Muskoka, almost near Leaf country out here. Um, but I think Clevin was, was right up there because they traded up to get him uh, with the Leafs. And again, they, they passed up some talented players for a guy like Clevin... But now Clevin's all of a sudden looking like a talented player himself. Like that goal that he scored um, in the third game in UND was outrageous. It was just not something you're expecting from the Twitter scouts, especially.
2: Since <laughs> our Podcast, your number one stop for all your Senators content. New episodes coming at you every Monday and Thursday, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Have a good one. Stay safe.
0: Take care. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. As always, we're back. Myself and Corey to talk about to talk about, sorry, a rather eventful day in fuck in the fucking Habs world. Holy shit. What a day for me to go off the grid. I fucking come back at what 9.30 at night and everything about this team has changed. We're recording this one a little late because I fucking forgot it was Wednesday. But Wow, what a day it's been. Um, this will be out tomorrow, Thursday. So yesterday for those listening, but holy shit, <laughs> the whole Habs landscape has changed in an instant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is probably our most, our most important episode to date because this one is really a chance for the Habs community to see the defining moment of of, of what our future is going to look like because we have the we have the we have the players. We have the pieces in motion. We just need to make the right decision on the coaches to to put this team back on track. Well, I think this is what we've been asking for, right?
0: 100%. So, if this this is the kick in the ass we we've, we've been asking Birmingham for. And I want to start this off because we're going to say some negative things about a guy who I genuinely think well, two guys who I genuinely think gave their all for this organization. So I want to start by saying some positive things about them. What Claude Julian has done for this team the last, how many years has it been? Three, three or four, three, right? Yes. Has been phenomenal. He has turned this team. I think he's gotten the best out of this team for a few years now. He's made us make the playoffs. when I didn't think we should have. He has... You know, he lit a spark under the team, pushed us to the playoffs his first year here. His battle with his heart condition during COVID was phenomenal. And to fight back after that and to come back this year was just amazing. And on on the flip side, Kirk Muller, I think, is a guy you can't question. He's doing his best. He was a Canadiens player for how long? Our last captain to win the cup. Just an all around for
1: like three and a half years.
0: Yeah. Just a great organizational cornerstone of this. Like not a guy you think of when you think of Montreal, but he's given everything as a player and as a coach. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. He's second
1: overall too. So like,
0: was he second overall?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, 85.
0: Yeah. So, you know, a lot of positive things to say about these two. And before we start, you know, kind of shitting on them a little bit, I just wanted to get that out of the way. But I don't think this was unexpected by anyone. Mark Bergerman said even, again, a little bit of the press conference I saw, I didn't get to watch the whole thing. It's 42 minutes and uh, half of it's in French. So I didn't really have time to kind of sift through it. Um, he said that this has kind of been the plan for a while. The Sens game was not the nail in the coffin. But you know, it kind of feels like that a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um now, like, what do you think was the determining factor? Obviously, this has been in the like we have expected this personally. I think Habs fans as a whole have. Um, I don't think anyone was really shocked by it. What what do you think though, like personally, was the main factor in this firing? Because I do think Julian is still a we talked last episode, he's kind of outdated but he's still a capable coach and he has a shown a coach. willingness to
1: change yeah. I, I mean truthfully i don't think i don't think if if we don't if we didn't show up well and play well against uh philadelphia and pittsburgh i don't think he was going to make it this season like i think we would have had a, a, a coach's change in the offseason i don't believe that julian would have would have been around um, I just think that just despite of our, you know, relatively good run in the bubble was just an, an extra chance to keep him around. Plus COVID. It just it was probably just easier for them to do this. He he really gave us no reason to hate him in the playoffs. And I would if I'm Mark Bergerman, I see that as a maybe this is a chance to the players are playing for him. I wouldn't say again, you know, maybe he didn't lose the run, but like maybe they're on the right track. So you give him a little. You, you're on borrowed time. You got a little bit of extra time to prove yourself. Um, it just sucks because we we get the we get the pieces, and everything looks good in the beginning, and then we kind of fall off. I just I think it, it really just it stemmed from last year. I don't think he was supposed to make it pass past the end of the season. Um,
0: yeah, I think um, personally, I do think Bergevin's plan was to win with Julian, and he said that. You know, they have a, they clearly have a really good relationship as well as Bergeron and Muller. Mm-hmm. I just think it's been pretty clear since um, the offseason that Bergeron has constructed this team to win now. And at the start of the season, it was evident that we can compete. People, all the critics saying, oh, Montreal's revealing their true colors, they're trash. No. I don't think that's a fair act. I don't think that's accurate at all. I think we're playing under under par because we've show we shown that we can compete with the best, and when we're on our game, we are the best. Well, second best in the North. I still think the Leafs are the best in um, the North division in terms of regular season play at least. I mm-hmm. think they have the best constructed roster. But to say that we were, we're now showing our true colors, I think it's just a load of shit. I think we're in a slump and unfortunately when a championship team goes into a slump and I said it last episode, first thing you got to do is fucking fire the coach.
1: Yeah. They're the the easiest to move. Right. And and it's a good point because you don't allow this to get worse. It's sad, but that's what needs to happen. You're not going to allow this team that looked so good in the beginning. You can't allow everything that was brought into this team to fall into that loser mentality. It, you had to sever the, you know, sever the cord and it just, it just happened to be the time to do it. Yeah. Something had to be done.
0: And I think like Bergeron announced that Ducharme is now taking over. I think this could be a breath of fresh air for the Habs. It turns like, it looks like he is pretty into analytics and was talking about offensive possession and you know keeping hold of the puck talked a lot about offense because I think our defense while it does need some work if price kind of comes out of this slump I think we're going to be doing much better um but to kind of get back to my point and that is offense and the breath, breath, breath of fresh air Jesus Christ I can't speak right now <laughs> um I just think that if Ducharme can get what he got out of Druen in um, the Quebec League, because he coached Druen his um, whole junior career. Nice. Oh my God. <laughs> like he's already been playing great, but could you imagine if Ducharme just revitalizes Druen like that? And we just have this beast that we thought we had coming out of the queue. Right. And I also think he's going to benefit the young guys for as much as I love Julian, I don't think his system really fits with the young guys. Suzuki, I think was at the start of the season doing well in spite of the fact of Julian's system, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think KK has done, Oh, okay. But I think under a new system, which hopefully with Ducharme, as we've seen seen in the past emphasizes skill i think those two are going to flourish especially it'll be interesting to see what happens to no though
1: i do like what you're saying about um about ducharm and druan i think that's awesome it's going to bring a, a great connection between the two but i think you're right i'm not going to say you bring in a young coach it's it, you know he's going to have a better chance to re, you know have more positivity with younger with the younger guys, but this is a fresh step. You know, all all of the young, all of the brand new players on the team they 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 weren't I wouldn't say over, you know, what Julian had brought to the table, but this is kind of new for everyone except for the people that's been around. You know, so it's it's not much of a change. They weren't used to the strategies before, so I don't see this as 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 anything negative really if anything it's this is the perfect shot perfect chance to bring in someone new because this is still a relatively new team learning of system so you want to shake it up this you got to do it early you know there's no yeah. point in letting everyone learn a system and get used to it you know half of the season in and then we have to make that change this was the perfect time to do it and duchamp um Bergerman said that that is the guy he's been looking at. He's been, I wouldn't say grooming it, but he's that is that that has been his guy. He said it in the interview on, on that Zoom conference that this is the one he's been looking at. So he's got all of his chips on this and he hasn't really made a bad call. I mean,
0: no, I think most of what Bergerman has touched has turned into gold. And I like what you said there. We're also assuming Ducharme, I, mean, I think it's a fair assumption now, is going to kind of transition into the coaching role we still need another assistant coach like we're still two man down on the bench there's gonna be some hirings an interesting suggestion i saw was alexander burrows because he's been coaching nice. the power play in laval
1: mm-hmm. i don't but, know if but I'm a i am feel of like that. i feel like he's too it's too early to bring him up like
0: yeah and i i want to like sorry i don't mean to interrupt no, you no just no no, no kinda, this
1: is this is back and forth like this is how it should be like
0: yeah you're kind of getting to my point because a, a big name i've seen thrown out there is joel bouchard because people are loving you know he's a great coach and they're loving what they're seeing in the ehl but i absolutely fucking love joel bouchard in the AHL. i don't want him to move because it's been proven when you have a guy like sylvain lefebvre Lefevre, sorry
1: mm-hmm.
0: in as your ahl coach you don't develop anybody. <laughs> Our <laughs> prospect pool has gotten so much better in the short time Bouchard has been down there. That's one of, I think, not talked about enough. An underrated move by Bergevin, but one of his absolute best in the last few years. And then I like to categorize the the whole Claude Julian era kind of as the new era of Bergevin. You know, he tried one rebuild. It didn't compete, slash compete it didn't work. We're kind of in that new version of an era, the second era. And right. yeah, he's, he's just the talent coming out of our AHL team. We haven't really seen that before, right? And it's definitely been, it's put us in a much better position. Jake Evans is a prime example of that. So I kind of rule him out. But I'm curious, like if it's not Ducharme, because he was named Interim. He wasn't named head coach, and I think that's an important distinction to make. If also, I think was, it's
2: you
1: don't make that decision like it's too early for that decision. You, you haven't even you, you got to give the benefit of the doubt. You have to interview people. There's there's no point in firing someone and rushing to hire somebody. Yeah, exactly. I agree, and I know you're a big Gerard Gallant guy. God, please let this well, be the year that we <laughs> transition from the French speaking uh, coach. It's, it's a dying breed and this would be the perfect time. I uh, Make Dushan, see if the Dushan would like an assistant coaching job. I don't give a fuck. That's where he's been, you know, like just. Well, is it, yeah, he's been an associate coach actually. not even the associate. associate. Sorry, but whatever. Yeah. Kirk Muller was the second. Dushan was the third. And, all I'm saying is you, you, you want to talk about a guy that can take a, a team of, of average players and make them believe in a system like, and this dude's just chilling at home, like Gerard Gallant.
0: Yeah. I am. Obviously I'm a little closer to home <laughs> on that aspect. Cause I understand the whole, like I understand why Quebecers feel it's important to have a coach that can speak to them and speak to their media in their native language, because it is important to kind of understand, right. And part of what has made Quebec such a unique, a unique a unique culture and kind of a haven in Canada for French French culture. I think even in the world, they're one of the most preserved, pristine like they're they're what's the classification? They're um their own society. Talk in their thing.
1: old ways,
0: like no, they're recognized as a distinct society in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that's because they have laws in place to kind of retain their culture, retain their language, but look at the most successful teams in the world. They take in any sport, they take who's available, who is the best candidate. And soccer is a prime example. The premier league is almost entirely filled with coaches, who are Spanish, German, or Italian. (laughs) They can barely speak English, but damn, can they coach a soccer team? (laughs) So they take them. Right. And I just think Montreal is holding themselves back with this whole French coaching rule. Would you rather like, not like you can get a translator. Coaches can try, can learn French. If they make the attempt to learn French. I think it's all the power to them, right? They're trying, but if English is their main language, I think it should be okay because would you rather have to listen, get to listen, sorry, to a French-speaking coach and not win a cup or listen to Gerard Gallant either stammer in awkward French or speak through a translator to then go on and win a cup? I want the cup. If I have to listen to entirely entirely French interviews with my coaching staff, with my GM, I will take that if it means we can win a cup. So I just think, and before I just want to get that out of the way before you make your case for Gerard Gallant,
1: because he's your boy. Hear me the the fuck out folks. (laughs) U S born Southern, nowhere near French Canada. Gerard Gallant, right. Born in Summerside. It's Prince Edward Island. I just looked at it. It's fucking right by Nova Scotia. Quebec City's relatively close looking at this fucking map. Okay. (laughs) So you're telling me that this guy didn't learn French growing up? He might not be, like, fluent. He knows a bit, right? You all, you guys all know a bit of French, all right? 2012, he joins Michelle Terrien as the assistant coach, one of our best in this, you know, era, you know, as we're growing up, this is some of the best time that the Canadians had, you know, this is when we were actually making moves. And guess what, he played with Mark Bergervan in Tampa Bay. You're telling me that this guy isn't like top, top three, top five people being looked at like, he's got he's already knows, he's already done work in Montreal. He's played with Mark Bergervan. He was here for some of the best hockey that the haves have seen in the last two decades, you know, this, if, if there, if there's a time to bring in, you know, someone outside of, of Quebec, that's a coach, Gerard Glant, why not? I just, I, I don't know. I feel like Charlie from fucking from it's always sunny, just trying to pinpoint shit on the wall, Pepe Silvia, but like, this is kind of a no brainer. Like if this is the year that we break the cycle and granted, I love the tradition, but you know what? I also want to, I want to see this team win. I think we all want to see this team be successful more than just keeping this tradition anymore. Uh, And I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but if you, if you make the step outside of someone who isn't, I think Gerard Galant's the perfect example. He's already worked with us. He knows Mark Berge and he was here during some of the best hockey we've seen in a long time. So you can burn me at the stake, but I think if we got to pick someone outside of what, you know, the, the same four or five guys again, I think Gerard Gallant's the is the is the perfect candidate. I mean, look what he did with Vegas. It's all, it's all I'm fucking saying. You know, uh, granted, not everything's up to Gallant. The, the, the players have to believe in him. But if, if he could take a team of guys – who everyone gave up on, that's why they went to that fucking team and and, and send them to a fucking cup, you know, a cup against against the Capitals in 2018. I mean, what can he do with a bunch of guys who are playing excellent that just need the extra step?
0: I will say in regards to – just to play devil's advocate, because I am a big fan of Gallant, everyone kind of talks about the Vegas Golden Knights like they were some fucking – Mighty Ducks group of outcasts. If you look at the rules of that draft, essentially what Vegas was drafting and what their entire team was made up of was second liners or very high-quality third liners, all on a all on a team. So every one of their lines was made up of those guys.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They also had, they were gifted. <laughs> <laughs> a franchise goaltender who was drafted first overall, and they got guys like Mark Fucking Stone, Jonathan Marshall. so William Carlson. Like what Gallant did was incredible, but the narrative of them being outcasts, I think, is a little, a little deep. Maybe okay, I don't well, know.
1: Let me let me let me hip you to this we always say that this team is it does not have that superstar we're no real different than vegas that's what i was getting to like that's exactly what that's <laughs> where i was going with it um i don't
0: know top top titty to foley is just just fucking scorching teams he might be a superstar this Look is a team
1: him. that needs the rejuvenation. I think we need a reju- we need to rejuvenate uh Gerard Gallant. Even if it's like even if he take an assistance spot, like if if he's available for anything, you got to hear him out. Like, I don't he's got to see... be in the top 3. I'm sorry. That's that is that could be just uh, terrible, a US a US I'm... fucking player uh fan, but he's got to be up there. He's got to be your number 1 non-francophone fucking coach
0: uh i got two things for that
1: one if i'm Gerard Gallant,
0: i am not taking any job other than a head coaching job because who the fuck are the seattle kraken gonna call that is better suited for the job than me second we've talked about <clears throat> obviously we're two anglophone um people and I am curious, like if we have any francophone listeners, which
1: I know we have like a few. Motherfucker, come on, come on! Shoot like, yeah, like, fucking, tell shoot us. us a fucking a DM. Love like, I want on.
0: to know your perspective on this because my opinion is jaded because this is how I have you know I I haven't been raised in Quebec, but I'm interested to know why is it if you disagree with us and you think it's still important to have a franc like a French speaking coach or a Francophone coach, let us know. Like, I'm curious, like, just explain it to us. We're not trying to be disrespectful. I think it's just, I don't, it's definitely not an opinion that is just exclusively shared between ourselves. I'm pretty pretty sure it's widespread among Habs fans. We are a global fan base at this point. It's not just Quebec based. So yeah, like, let us know. I'm really curious. I kind of want to move on a bit from the coaching Debate, unless you have any more to add, Corey, and kind of talk, start talking about that sense game in which we both only caught the last period of, but there's some shit to talk about there, too.
1: I got nothing else. Uh, they got Patrick Roy slotted as the number three spot as far as people look at, it. and I think Patrick Waugh would spitefully destroy this team, and that's my hot take. That's it. <laughs> The revenge, the longest play. Like, you quit. You quit on. You quit on. I'm not. Not us. You know. You you quit on fucking, on the avalanche, and now they're a fucking powerhouse. I, I ain't interested in a quitter. He's got too much pride. Uh, fair
0: enough. I mean, I don't think Patrick Watt's a quitter. I, I actually don't think Patrick What did bad in in Colorado. I think that man deserves another coaching gig, but not in Montreal. That's for sure. But, <laughs> uh, moving, on to good on that. moving on to the moving on to the Sands. um,
1: the call. Yeah, did. first off, there's nothing else to talk about that game other than Shea Weber finally came out and and did something positive, so people can start shut the fuck up about. I didn't even how bad he's been goals. playing. The like, two like, goals, one timers, um, I believe one was a deflection and one was just like um. Uh, Murray was screened and just just went in and just he, he's he's got the fastest fucking shot. So and they were all vicious, but beyond that, there's nothing else to really talk about in that game other than the the power play was fucking trash. I don't know. I don't know about that one. I think it was Jake Evans to to. nine minutes. Jake Evans has been unreal once again. Lekanin's out. I don't think that's the best. Maybe our PP hasn't been that fucking. I mean our PK hasn't been that great lately, but Lekkonen's a monster on the PK. Like he's kind of saving us and maybe losing him twice, you know, maybe we could have got two of the four. You know, I mean, you know, well, two of those goals could have been I think maybe some- kind
0: of I think what you're saying is important, but you haven't even touched on that. Fucking goalie interference call.
1: Oh no, because I I just, to, trying I, just to, wanna, I just wanted to knock out the bullshit so we can get straight to I think that is the bullshit. The most asinine part of this. Because it's the only thing to talk about in this game, Turkey. Fuck all.
0: Uh, I the do I need to continue with my like you could probably my catchphrase at this point. The NHL officials this year <laughs> have Trash. The, so boat, trash Bad. And you know what? from the officials, it's Toronto. The review team in Toronto. What I think pissed me off most about this call, and it wasn't just that they got it wrong. It was that Ottawa could not have challenged it. It was the league that challenged it. It was called a good goal on the ice. Why are you interfering?
1: For starters, you... It's the second good goal that was that was given by the fucking people on the ice that was turned over from fucking Toronto continue Two like, how
0: much do you pay your officials a year and you're not going to trust them to make the right call on the ice first starters and then when you review it you mess up that blatantly like are you kidding me there are so many things about that play or sorry about that call that they fucked up, but by God, what is this going to start? So every time a goalie gets nudged in his crease is, does he just going to have to like stand and look at the rafters for about two minutes and just let the puck go in and they're going to take it back. Murray had so much time to get back into position he did, but he could have gone back into position sooner. He stood there looking at the ref like it just baffles me. If Gallagher had enough time to get up, and he made he made this point, he was pissed. You don't often see players speak out like that, especially Gallagher. And consider all the cheap shots and all the shit he takes. He never complains about the refs or calls or anything. He complained. He was pissed. Because he made a good point. If he had enough time to get up and deflect the shot, did Murray not have enough time to get up and make the save? Regardless of the fact that he barely pushed him, regardless of the fact that Gallagher was shoved into him, and then three hours later, the fucking Oilers, or was it? No, the Calgary Flames score a goal. Matt Kachuk does the exact same thing, like basically pushes the goalie in. And tonight, as we're recording this, the Leafs have one of the most blatant goalie interference go- like calls that I've ever seen, not called on them, and they score to send it to overtime. It's like, can we get some fucking consistency here, or are we just playing beer league hockey at this point?
1: Look, I. I'm watching, I'm watching the Toronto one. I think that's a fair goal. But we were But it's robbed. the
0: exact it's worse than what we did.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is my I, I can see I can see your point. But
0: this, like if this, ours if ours is that obvious, I'm sorry to cut you off, but they're acting like ours was so obviously goalie interference. If ours is that obvious, the Toronto one should be no fucking question. Call on the ice, goalie interference but there's no consistency in this league. It's the fuck it's the fuck Montreal fuck everyone else. We're going to suck off the Leafs league.
1: <laughs> All right. So here's my thing on the on the Gallagher, right? Gallagher comes back in from the back from behind the net. He cuts to the inside. He's got nowhere to go. But he's in the blue, right? He's in the crease. Therefore, they're already they're already ready to throw a red flag but the guy who's on gallagher he can only do one thing right it's to push him into fucking into matt murray which he doesn't he doesn't do he doesn't successfully you know take out his own teammate but there's no there's no defensive thing you can do against brendan gallagher in that situation that does not make Matt Murray, you know, fall or, 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 you know, gain goaltender interference. Brendan Gallagher did everything he possibly could to not interrupt him interruption, right? He falls. Gallagher has time to get up. Matt Murray, like you said, looking around, looking for officials, looking for the call. It doesn't happen, right? He gets up, he repositions himself. It's not anyone's fault that he decided to set himself back up not in the middle of the fucking net but he does he he legit sets himself up he's he's back in motion ready to continue his play and brendan gallagher basically puts it in and he's not even fully set up yet he's 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 getting hit again so i don't understand how do all right so if a goalie falls do does everyone have to leave the blue have to leave the crease Allow him to stand up, get back into position, and then everyone else can swarm the crease again because there's no definitive this is the most ass backwards rule in the game because you can't you can't tell me what goaltender interference is. The and you know, like whoever's the, the biggest people in the fucking game couldn't give me, you know, an honest answer. There's there, no one knows. It's up to them at that moment to figure out what they want to do. If the fucking call on the ice is a goal, Matt Murray had time to set himself up again. The goal goes in. Fuck you. It's a good goal. But because it's in two minutes left in the game, all fucking goals go straight to, you know, straight to Toronto. What I've never actually, I didn't know about that rule. I think that's
0: fucking stupid. You pay these officials how much? And my biggest beef is, if that's not a goal, whatever. If it's clearly defined in the rules, I think it should be a goal. Because in my brain, I cannot see the logic. I, You know what, there is no logic, sorry. It's just stupid. You can make, you can figure out that Murray has ample time to make that save. It's not Gallagher's fault. My beef, my major beef though, is like, I don't know how I feel like I'm repeating myself all the time, but it's because this continually happens. Every fan thinks the refs are against us, but I genuinely think there's some sort of league conspiracy against us. If that call is consistent and they make it every single time, okay, I know what I have to do. I understand that, okay, that will never be a goal. So as a player and as a viewer, you know, you can expect. You know what to expect from the refs. And as an ad, like, I played a lot of sports in my time on this planet, baseball and soccer, especially. The worst refs weren't the ones who made bad calls, because if they made bad calls consistently, consistently, sorry, you knew what to expect. Like, I used to play ball, and there was this one umpire. His strike zone was like in the dirt, but it was always in the dirt. So you knew right away, right? Okay. I'm going to have to swing if it's low, leave it if it's high and you can work off that. But we had another umpire who one day it's over your head. It's a strike. The next day it's over your, it's like right at your chin and it's a ball. So that was more frustrating. And I think that's kind of what we're getting here. If I can get some consistency, whether or not I agree with the rule or not, I think the players would probably say the same thing. They'll live with it. They'll adapt. But this inconsistency is just ruining games for me. And it's not just Habs games. Like I'm watching a lot of hockey because this Canadian division is fun. And every time... Like every day it seems there's some sort of ref bullshit. And I just don't understand how the most elite hockey league on the planet hasn't figured out their own rules yet. It's been how many years? Like a hundred and how many years of the NHL? And you don't you can't make a goalie interference call yet? It just it baffles me how. It's just, like, unprepared for these situations the officials
1: are. He doesn't – Matt Murray doesn't even fall. Doesn't even fall. If you want to blow if, – if you want to say it's a bad goal, then you can blame it on Brendan Gallagher holding the jersey of Zaitsev or, or, or whoever, whoever it is on him. Because all he does is get knocked down, which spins out Matt Murray. Matt Murray never falls. He's basically – on his knees, and as soon as he stands up, how is that not back in position? Because Brennan Gallagher gets laid on, pushes the guy off of him, stands up the same time that Matt Murray stands up. How is that not in position? No well, one's in the crease. No, sorry. I was just going to – do you remember that Kreider goal? Yeah. Like,
2: like he, yeah, wait, he he dragged
0: Price out of the net with his stick. And that's what I mean. If that's legal, okay. But if it's not, let me know. And it's like I don't think, in a way, I feel for the officials because I think they're just as clueless as we are. I really
1: do. I don't think they know what goalie interference is. I don't even. I don't even know how. How, how do you even fix this? I don't think you can. Well, do you see what I'm saying? Like, you either take it. You you either get rid of the entire fucking rule. Or we continue to have this lawless, whatever the fucking whatever the refs on the ice see is going to be it. Then, whatever Toronto wants to call it is going to be it. That because there's, there's you at that point, you're not worried about what the officials think. The last two minutes of the game, they can they can call whatever fuck they want. It's going to get reviewed, so it doesn't matter for them. They can go fucking. They could get off the ice. they could could leave early because everything from that point is going to be up to Toronto. And I'm not saying Toronto is going to fuck us. I'm just saying there's no point in having them to call a a very fucking important goal if they're not going to keep it. Like if if the officials on the ice who are getting paid to do this job, who are supposed to know the rule to the best of their knowledge, just like everyone else, if they're calling it a good goal, how the fuck is it not a good goal?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's ridiculous. And we could talk about it all day. But I want to talk about since we're bitching about the league, how badly do you want to get rid of the shootout? <laughs> that was one of the best overtimes I've watched in a long time. They
1: they said it they said it on the fucking They wish they had another 5 minutes. Like right? three more minutes in this game would have been wrapped up. Oh. I don't mind the shootout. I hate it. But I tell you what, 5 minutes isn't enough for 3 on 3. Could you imagine? I'm not saying if, 10, you know, but like they need give them give them 8 minutes. I don't know. Okay, but hear me out.
0: Imagine if you go to work, right? And you grind like 3 hours for 3 hours and you you, you still got to get your work done. So you put some extra time in and then you're still not quite done. But if you, if you finish this, you're going to get a big reward. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're kind of competing against your coworker kind of like, you know, whatever. Right. And then your boss says, all right, uh, I'm going to give, I'm like your, your whole like team, right. Whatever. Like the you everyone who's working okay this one person is going to decide whether you guys finish or not like or get and get your award that's what the shootout is you're taking an entire team performance that was a shit analogy i apologize but like and then saying okay yeah one person gets to decide or two people get to decide the outcome of this it's just, it's fucking Bush League. It's like, an, it's a skill competition. Like, I get it in soccer, which I hate it too, but in soccer and big competitions, like they're starting to get rid of the penalty shootout. But soccer has draws, so it's like kind of eliminates that. We we shouldn't have points decided on a shootout. It's not hockey. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It was just price stopped Stutzla how many times that night? On, like, you know what I mean? Like, just stoned him. And then Stutzla gets a, an open opportunity to score on him. Like, that's not hockey. That's not how it works. I don't know. It just frustrates me. I just, I don't think a hockey game should be decided by a skills competition.
1: I think, I think when you, when, so first off, and before we wrap it up, the, the the fun and the thrill of the shootout is long gone. You know, the the, the TJ Oshi excitement, you know, in the in in the World Cup, that's gone. You know, no one wants to see this anymore. But when you bring in something that's way more exciting than the shootout, and you give us three on three play, no one's gonna want to see this shit anymore because everyone wants to watch the overtime. That's a great point. And you're taking it away from us. So yeah, granted, I like the shootout because I'm a, you know, like cuz there's going to be moments like TJ Oshie, right? When it's it's do or die. But this ain't it ain't fun no more because you gave us something that we're addicted to. You gave us 3 on 3 fucking power play hockey. It's some of the fucking wildest shit ever. The best goals. No one's going to want to see that end in 5 minutes? Nobody. Like we don't even we don't use it in the playoffs, so it's a dying breed as it is. Yeah, you know, fair enough. Send it it to eight minutes. If it if it fucking doesn't end, five minute break. Send send the next fucking unit out. I love fucking double overtime. I love your point
0: about you gave us three on three, and then now you're denying us finishing it with the shootout because I think you know I think the shootout. What T.J. Oshie did in the Olympics—that is one of the greatest. Like,
2: that That's is something the I'm going to tell my shootout. grandkids.
0: Yeah, I'm going to tell my grandkids about that. But it doesn't get better than that. No, especially, especially not overtime. Is especially always not hot. like this. Yeah, so you're kind of denying us of what we we now know how exciting overtime can be, and we're like, ah, oh, shit, we don't get that anymore. So I would love the idea of.
1: You know where the shootouts need to – the shootouts only need to be in Olympic and World Cup play. That's it. Well,
0: if you're not going to decide playoffs on it, why aren't you going to (laughs) decide
1: a regular season game on it? It's a dying breed, okay? It's like like going to a show and your favorite band plays before the final act and the final act is is a bunch of washed-up fucking guys that are just in it for the money again, you know? Just trying to make oh man we haven't put out a record in ten fucking years, and this is kind of our farewell tour. We're not that fucking great. We're gonna play new material. No one wants to fucking hear that. But get the fuck off the stage. Why is why is the best band here playing before you? Why why is these this old dusty fuck gonna come on after like T J Oshie <laughs> fucking gave us what shootout hockey it was supposed to be and since then it's been it's oh, been fun it's it's been can't wait to see that happen in the NHL ain't gonna fucking happen ain't gonna be important enough to happen like that. Well the rules don't even allow it to happen. You no know, I don't I don't mean like having him come out that many times it's just its just not a moment and shootout history since TJ Oshi for the NHL just NHL play that has lived up to that. No one gives a fuck. Oh my god he deked him out of his fucking his crease like the goals themselves as highlights i fucking
0: love but winning in a shootout and losing in a shootout it's just not the same like i like i get we're bitter because we just lost in the shootout but when i win in the shootout like i'll be hype when like if price makes a save i'm like fuck yeah let's go but then we win and i'm like oh Cause it can be so anticlimactic. Like you can win off of like you score one goal and then no one scores for five rounds and you're like, Oh, we won.
1: Okay. I- you
0: know what I mean? It's boring.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's super boring. Um, how about this? If a shootout goal doesn't count towards individual statistics, why the fuck does it, why is it still here? Why is it so? why is it even in the NHL?
0: That's a good point.
1: How many? How how close? It would, would help
0: my fantasy a lot if it. Okay. It per yeah. You're close, right. Too.
1: You're right. But how close would someone like Alex Ovechkin be to Wayne Gretzky if all of his fucking shootout goals counted?
0: Yeah, that'd be bullshit because Gretzky doesn't like. Okay. He never had shootouts, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, if it doesn't count as an individual, like, if if it if it's off the board statistically. And it's its own fucking category. Why the fuck should it matter?
0: Why is it in the game if it's because not counted as the game stats? I think Harry
1: is- Price is, is, has been rough, right? He's He was, they were like, oh, he's fucking 33 and 30 on shootouts, whatever.
2: Yeah, but if that's he's the point. Lose... I think
1: that's the point. They're 50 50. Yeah, all right. But look, if he's going to lose to a goal that's not even going to be counted as that person's. Like, it's not going to be uh, towards their 20-goal season. You got to feel like a complete piece of shit for losing a game to a goal that ain't even glorified as a goal.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Get it the fuck out of here.
0: No, that's a good point. And I think we could rant about this for a while. We've actually been going going for Solid some decent amount of time.
1: Solid 45.
0: Which is pretty long for Before one of our either. Wednesdays, so, <laughs> Yeah. Um, before we, um, leave this, I just want to give a shout out to, um, Canadians aggregator on Twitter. I also have a website. Um, me and Corey absolutely love these guys, ladies, whatever this group, they shout us out on our episodes almost every week and we fucking appreciate it. Let me tell you, but literally the hub for Habs content, like I know we call ourselves that. They fucking any piece of Habs content on the internet, they will post it, they will retweet it, they will have it on their website. They have a podcast player in which they play this podcast to people. So if you have not checked out Canadians Aggregator, we really fucking recommend it. This is not a paid ad, we haven't contacted them about this. Like, we just really appreciate the service as Habs fans. And we just wanted to give a shout because fucking hell, like not only have they done bits for us, but just have the Habs community as a whole. What a great idea. And they've performed it perfectly. So we just want to give a shout. Thanks guys, ladies. And, you know, keep doing your shit. Cause it's like an amazing idea.
1: Yeah. I love it. This is uh, the equivalent of like a family restaurant, you know, like locally owned shit. Um, sometimes I might be in a bind, I might have had something to do that i ha- am not caught up on what was the news that was going on. I can easily go there, and, and get a, a brief summary of what I missed. You know, um, it's great on days like today when, you know, like you you forget you have a podcast. <laughs> but uh, they're really great people, Guilty. and um, I they they look for the little guy, and you know we're the little guy right now. And they take the time to post and, and get us out there. And we really appreciate them doing that. And please keep it up. You guys are amazing folks. Oh, one more shout out. Uh, Alex Dortman. Hopefully you're listening, bro. Um, reached out to Habs nightly. Uh, I uh, voiced my frustrations on finding a Cole Caulfield. Um, Wisconsin, Jersey. Dude came in pretty quick. 9, 12 in the morning. Dropped the link and. I'll be purchasing one of them soon enough. So thank you so much for <laughs> for finding that for us.
0: Yeah, and hopefully he is listened to the end of this podcast to get there. And if you have listened to the end of this podcast, we really fucking appreciate it. We're gonna have some uh pretty interesting content on Sunday, I think, or Monday. We record Sunday. So I'm pretty excited for this week of the halves. I think. We're gonna be flying. Teams usually are after a coaching change, so change. So we're gonna have a lot mm-hmm. to talk about. Possibly some new lineups. You never know. So you know we're excited. Hopefully you guys are too. And this will thank-
1: definitely be interesting.
0: No, go ahead, bro.
1: No, uh, it, it'll it'll be it'll be so interesting. Thank you guys so much for listening. But also, um, you guys are listening to a game day. We're about to see. This is our first game against Winnipeg. So you know this is gonna be a fun game. New, new, new room, new feel, you know. This is a new Habs team, and um, we're, we're right there alongside you, just just in, in excitement, looking for another W. But, folks, this has been Habs Nightly. Thank you all so much for listening. Please follow us at Habs Nightly and Bayou Benders, and we'll talk to you guys soon.
0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.